Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talk to Envision Community founder, Matt Meacham. This is a good one. I took a lot away from it. Matt's a wise fella. I think if you can get past our old man grumbling stuff and not drop off too quickly, I think you're really going to benefit from listening to it. I think you'll like it. If this is the first time you're here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I think you will. Hope you will. Let me know your favorite bit on social media at 10Q Interview Everywhere. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Also, if you do like it and there are some good bits in it, a review would be most appreciated. If you're a regular podcast fan, I'm sure I don't need to tell you the value of reviews on the algorithm and all that nonsense. But yeah, if you want to drop me some stars and feedback, go for it. It would also mean the world to me and I'm sure Matt too, if you share this episode far and wide. There's probably at least one person you'll think of when listening to it who you think would benefit from also hearing it. Make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough of me rambling. Now, onto the podcast. Matt Meacham, welcome to 10Q Interview. It's lovely to have you on this morning. Thank you for joining me. No problem at all. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. And um, mm. we'll kick straight off question number one. You meet a stranger and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? Do you know what? I read, that's a great question because I've been in this industry for a long time since like the sort of very early 2000s okay and back then when you said i would i would probably say if someone asked me back then that i work on the internet <laughs> and basically back in the 2000s the only people that were making money on the internet were adult content and scamming people so they'd always get like a raised eyebrow like really but now i would probably go with software developer okay because that kind of you know when you meet a stranger, you know, you don't want to dump on your life history. You don't want to go, well, I'm actually the co-founder of Acme Widgets Limited. You know, it's success- you know, no one cares, do they? They want to know what do you do, not job title or whatever. Yeah. They just want to know what you do. So software developer is probably my main task in a day-to-day basis. What's, what's, know, the, fact- what's the standard reaction when you say software developer? You either get several. Usually the most common one is, oh, okay. You know, like you just said, you solve algebra all day. <laughs> but a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I used to do basic at school or I'm actually learning Python or I've got a Raspberry Pi. So it does actually, there's quite a lot of people out there that kind of code away. Yeah. It, it's a great thing to do, you know, it's a great thing to do. I mean, you said there that you've been doing this for a long time. How have you seen the the, the reaction to coding and software developing like evolve over the last, I don't know, 20 odd years? The reaction to me saying it or sort of well, just in general, I guess, and I'm being a bit generalistic here, but I don't know, like 25, my opinion would be 25 years ago, everyone would be like geek, nerd, oh, okay. some other derogatory comment. But now it's almost like trendy. Cool. Yeah, you're, pro- you're probably right. There's quite a lot of people that still think it's quite nerdy. I think it depends on the age of the person, you know. But yeah, you're right. Back in the early days, it was like, oh, God, you know, nerd, <laughs> you tinkering with computers, <laughs> wasting your life. It's never going to take off. And now it's like, oh, OK. And sometimes people ask, oh, would you work on what kind of, you know, what kind of products? Is it is it iPhone apps or is it this? Yeah, so there is that that kind of fundamental understanding that software developer is different for different industries. And they're kind of curious about where you work and try and learn a bit more. I guess Zuckerberg has changed the world in more ways than one, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. For the better so, or for worse. Yeah. So what? Go on then. So let's go in a bit more detail. What what are you developing? Right. So I co-founded Acme Widgets. No, I, didn't. I, co- I co-founded uh, uh, Envision, Envision Community. There's, so, there's some Acme Widgets executive somewhere who's getting added on LinkedIn exactly. right now because of that. You're gonna get a you're gonna get a takedown. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Envision Community. 
is okay. uh, I co-founded that a long, long time ago, and that is an independent community platform, right. aka a forum system. But forum, okay. forum fell out of love. You know, Zuckerberg came, Facebook came, and forums were seen as these antiquated things. So for a long time, we avoided saying the F word because it would pull up these, oh, that date, no, no, they're still, you know, we're still developing, they're still modern. But it's kind of come back around now as people seek to move from social media or, you know, they outgrow social media and want to move on to a, an independent platform. They own the data. There's no one mining data and selling data on your behalf. Um, so they very much come back in fashion. They have. And that is really interesting you say that. I didn't realize that's what you did, actually, weirdly. And hmm. I'm not very good at self-promotion. <laughs> well, no, well, no, none of us are probably. That's the, that's the problem, isn't it? But yeah. It's interesting you say that about, so I've gone down this bit of rabbit hole lately where I am working on, my, my business works on engagement, right? And I have this massive bee in my bonnet about how businesses are rubbish at engagement. Mm-hmm. They can send you, they can sell stuff to you all day long. They can try and build a community, but invariably most businesses that build communities are just trying to sell to that community and actually mm-hmm. don't take it in. And I've kind of been doing a bit of digging and actually it's weird you say the word forums. So I used to love forums back in the day, right? Like mm-hmm. when I was in SEO, when I was doing triathlon, there was, there was a forum for everything. And, it, mm-hmm. and nine times out of 10, they were pretty good at being valuable and, and, you know, giving real positive things. And you're right. I guess Facebook came along and basically pulled the rug out from under them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, those forums still exist and they've always existed. It's the attention, our attention has been taken elsewhere, you know, yeah. from like you say, triathlons and things, you know, those forums are still very much there. Still, you know, they've been modernized. They've kept up to date. It's not like they 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 froze frame in 2008 and yeah. haven't updated since. They have. It's just that our Some attention. Have. <laughs> well, there is there are a lot of our, you know, relics out there. And those are the ones that I think struggle. And yeah. those are the ones that people look to and they think, well, forums don't work anymore because look at this. But no, they're still there, you know, and I think you're right that social media has given us that quick fix, but quite superficial um, relationship yeah. with a topic whereas forums you can take a nerdy deep dive on every single topic like i'm, I'm into uh, what alarmingly is now called retro computing the computers okay. that i grew up with as a child are now considered retro and forums really are the place for that because possibly the demographic and possibly because you want to take super deep dives on chipsets and memories and you know all that nerdy stuff that yeah. might be difficult on a facebook group it might be difficult on Twitter, you know, with all the noise and things. Well, it, yeah, well, that's, I was going to say, it's a dedicated community. I mean, I love Twitter, and I think that's where you and I connected. Yeah, I love <clears> Twitter too. Mm-hmm. It is hard to keep that focus on something that you are interested mm-hmm. in, right? Because there's just, there's a lot of content on there, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's like Whereas, having a conversation in a crowded room, you know, there's yes. voices everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it is, exactly. And I think it's kind of, so the forum thing, I, I, w- I did a bit of research, like, literally two weeks ago, and I was going down the football club forum, and I was like, oh my days, there's, there's some of them are really active. Yep. And it's millions kind of, of my... people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what, what, so is your, is InVision stuff that I would, if I was a customer, would I host that myself on mm-hmm. my website or how's it work? Yeah. So, we got two options. You can do self hosted, which was very popular back in the 2000s because, you know, everyone was very familiar with FTP and all the command line tools you'll need to install it yep. but we also have like a self-hosted option now so we can do it as a as a service okay. so you don't need to know anything about hosting you just click buy set it up and off you go interesting I might have a look at that after you might have inadvertently and very strangely just solved the problem I've got <laughs> and I didn't even know you were going to do that I'm happy to talk about it off the pod I'm sure most yeah, people yeah, won't yeah. be interested but yeah no we'll do that mm-hmm. okay if you weren't a software developer, mm-hmm. 
and I guess the people who are listening to this probably can't see the back of your room. So I, I kind of got to guess where I think this question might go. You're going to be wrong. Am I? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, so for anyone who's listening, Matt has got one, two, three. Well, what I can see in frame, five guitars hanging on his on his wall. Yeah. Okay. So if you weren't a software developer and you could do anything, it's not going to be a guitarist in a rock band, though. Only because I'm not good enough. That's the only reason. My brother is. My brother's a guitar. He's actually a bassist now in a cover band and he does all, you know, Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses. You know, he loves it. Does he? Yeah, I love guitar. I do. But I think if I had to pick another career, it would be it would be something creative, ironically. I mean, I when I was at school, I studied for graphic design. That okay. was going to be my thing. I, I loved art at lunchtime when all the kids were out playing football. I was in painting. <laughs> so, How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 46. Okay, so a year older than me. Okay. Okay. No, the yeah, reason so- I asked that was because I was having this conversation with someone earlier this week on on an episode who was 26 right and we were talking about i was trying to explain to him where when i was coming out of school like you went through this period of being very creative semi-creative i say not very creative Mm -hmm. but like you had your your tech you had your art lessons you had all this Mm -hmm. stuff your music which kind of led to that creative itch right that you could scratch Mm -hmm. at school Mm -hmm. and then you go into the workplace and all of a sudden, it gets crushed out of you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Whereas his generation, what we were talking about was they come out of school, and again, very generalist, but they have all these options for like the whole creator economy, right? The YouTubes, the TikTokers, yeah. the Instagrammers. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a weird thing that you and I and our generation, now we're going to set, put off all these millennials listening and all these two old codgers <laughs> but we didn't have that right it was it's weird so I, I completely agree with you that the pathways for a career were much more trade-based electrician plumber carpenter or you get into sales or insurance or car yeah, yeah. you know it was very practical it wasn't like you say the creator economy that you can make a living on youtube still blows my mind you know that you can make a living on tiktok and you know it, it's fantastic that you have those options but for yeah. us i think you're right it was very much repressed like in school you are you develop those creative talents you know yeah. i i love guitar i love painting um and then you get into the workplace and it does get crushed out of you there's no space for it but even yeah. in roles now within big companies there's space for creativity you know which yeah. is which is good you know that's good for the soul but to answer your question it would be a, i'd probably be an author i'd write books would you mm, that's cool i love it i i um have you ever written one no I'd like I wrote a lot of awful short stories on a typewriter when I was younger. Right. That I still have that no one's ever gonna see. But yeah, I love it. I love I love writing. I just don't have the, the headspace for it. You know, the what time genre would you would it be? Oh, it'd be fiction. I don't know, a bit of sci fi, bit of thriller. Nothing it's a bit pulpy, nothing nothing uh, deep and serious because I'm not deep or serious. Are you um <laughs> I there's a... Uh... Have you seen these BBC Maestro courses knocking I've around? Got the, yeah, I've got the um, Jack Reacher one. Lee Child, yeah, that's what I was Yeah, Lee say. Child, yeah. Uh, How but did you I find think, it? Um, I'm only halfway through. I think like most of those things, it's good to ignite a spark, but it's not a step-by-step instruction to replicate his success because, you know, he's quite keen to point out, you've got to find your own voice. You can't yeah. copy his. You can't do, you know, Jack Bleacher because <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to read it, are they? And it's not, you've got to find it from within yourself, you know, and I think that's something I would like to do. Yeah, probably an author, pulpy author. And there's there's loads that do make like I I read a guy called Jeremy Robinson and he he writes 
you know, self-published a lot of the time. You know, he's doing it all himself, all his own promotion and does all his cover art. So which is good for him. He's not beholden to a publisher. But on the downside, I'm sure he would like to receive big paychecks, you know, in advance of his next novel. But, you know, there is a pathway for that without having to find well, a publisher. Again, right, 20 years ago, that that's not even an option. And now it's Agreed. a click of a PDF and it's straight on Kindle, isn't it? Yeah, not only that, you can use YouTube and TikTok and Twitter to, to promote yourself when those things didn't exist before. Yeah, those um, those maestro. I'm, I was interesting you said that because I, I've not actually spoken to anyone who's done one or bought mm. one. Mm. So I've got two young kids, and I think as every parent of young kids does, they start reading these books to their children. And they're like, "Oh my god, it's so easy. easy! I could do how that. How bloody easy could this yeah. be? You need a vegetable and an animal, and put the two together on an adventure, and you can make a fortune. Exactly. And there's um, I don't know if you've got kids. I don't know if you. I've got uh, two. Yeah. So are you were, uh, do you know who Julia Donaldson is? Oh, all too well, inside and out, upside down. Mm-hmm. Right. So her, I mean, her books are. And this is not me belittling her content at all because her books are, are staggeringly good. But she's got one of those BBC Maestro courses. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do that. But again, headspace like you. And there's also a, um, just going back to the you making money on YouTube, the guy who directed Hot Fuzz, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Yeah, I love his stuff. He's got one on there as well. Has he? It's all those yeah. smash cuts he does in his films. I love that. Yeah. And um, again, I've not... But they're... I've not bought it, but I keep it's, it's sort of sitting in my one of my folders to do. But it's funny, I'm, I'm like you. I I kind of there's a little bit of me. I love YouTube. Mm-hmm. I just love the content on there. There was one I watched. Me and my wife watched last night. It's a guy called Simon Wilson. So this is why I love the internet, right? So I follow this woman called Laura Try, who's also a YouTuber, and she talks about this guy called Simon Wilson and his Seven Wonders of the World in Seven Days. Mm-hmm. And we start watching it. And it's just, we binged it for like three hours. I love that. Yeah. When you find something to connect with. And I'd never heard of this fella before, but he's got mm-hmm. a million plus subscribers. So he's obviously not a nobody. Mm. And then the whole time I'm sitting there and my wife's just going, no, <laughs> no. She's <laughs> reading funny. my mind going, you want to do this, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'd, lo- I'd, I'd love to be a YouTuber. I just, do you know I what? Th- it's, it's, um, I found myself watching almost against my will this guy that goes up and down motorways telling you all their secrets, like the secret junctions and things like that. And it, it's on YouTube and it's utterly compelling. You know, it's like the secrets of the M40. It's like, the most, it doesn't sound like it's interesting, but once you're in it, it's, oh, it's fascinating. Oh, you know? Matt, we, we watched, there's this guy called Liam Brown, who I've spoken about on this podcast before, and he does walking. And he, right. <laughs> he just walks up and down the country and wild camps. And it's the same. It's just like, it's not like, I don't know. It's so compelling to watch. It is. But if I said to you, I'll go and watch this half hour video, of this chat just walking around uh, the countryside, you're like, yeah, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> I think, I think it, I think at YouTube and being a successful YouTuber is something that seems like it should be easy, but it's probably not, you know, like yeah, yeah. you say to make walking interesting and compelling takes a lot of skill. And I'm sure if his first YouTube video was awful, I mean, you know, mm. I don't think it was something he was born into just got better and better at doing it but yeah I, I love the idea of being creative and make i mean i suppose you know software development is creative in its own way but it uses a different part of the brain so the idea to take someone on, a, on an emotional adventure with a book you know yeah. that's quite exciting to me yeah write maybe when i retire about, i'll do it write a book about a, a software developer who's a <laughs> youtuber a on the side <laughs> <laughs> i don't think anyone would read that not even me I don't know. In the getting the niches, there's, there's stuff people are interested in. That's the thing is that you're told to get into a niche, aren't you, and be and sort of own that niche. Um, yeah. So you got to pick wisely. 
But that author, you're the first person to say that, actually. Excellent. And do you know what? There's part of me that would like to be an author. I, I'm mm -hmm. a keen reader. I love reading. Oh, me too. Love it. And I think, yeah, do you know what? I just, it's kind of like a bit of a romantic idea almost. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is, you know, because I'm sure if that was my day job, it would be awful because I'd have to focus, concentrate yeah. and do the work, you know. Um, and that's the thing about any anything you loved when you turn it into a job, it suddenly doesn't seem like something you might love as much. Yeah. Although I suspect being a YouTuber, I guess, well, you know, you're probably right. You know, it's all well and good having these creative things, doing these adventures and challenges, but there'll be a point where you're like, oh, bloody hell, I've got to think of another thing to do. Exactly. You know, it's like, you know you've got to get content out and that's the once you start down that path the pressure for content is non-stop you know you could be feeling sick mm. tired exhausted things going on in your life you know you're not your mood and your energy's down but you've got to do a three-hour video on walking to cornwall <laughs> got to make it fun and interesting you know it's the same as podcasting you know like uh, even this morning i was thinking oh i had a bit of a rough night's sleep last night and i was like oh i've got a podcast at 11 mm. i was like oh exactly yeah you know that's basically bang a can of red bull 10 minutes ago and i'm like right let's just, let's just do it let's bang do it, it. Out. that actually helps you a good guess so it's kind of uh oh, i appreciate uh, that thanks no you're, you're an engaging not that anyone who hasn't been there's been a couple who haven't been engaging but you know you never know what you're going to get from a guest that, you've not really spoke to before so i guess it can be hard because some people will probably quite like me will stop we'll talk for three hours non-stop and you'll have a nightmare editing this and you'll get other people that you have to really work hard to get it out because it's just their their, their personality and their style really yeah yeah, there is, but it, I think I think as you said off air about some people are trying to be, there's a fine line between self promotion and actually just sharing interesting mm. content. Yeah, and there'll be there's some definitely who have probably gone further one way than the other, which is a shame. But yeah, yeah. there you go. Tell me something about you that not many people know. <laughs> I did. I saw that you did share some of these questions ahead of time, so I had time to sort of think about it a bit. Uh, <laughs> I had two options. Maybe I'll just tell you both. The first okay. one we touched on briefly and explained the guitars behind me. I was in a Metallica cover band when I was at school. Okay, so you're not. So you're not. I think you said earlier, oh, I'm no good or I'm not very good. Oh well, I'm not very good, you know. And it's something someone asked me recently, like how long have you been playing guitar? And I think if you look at the chronological age of me playing guitar, is about thirty years. Yeah. So you would expect a level of proficiency by now that I just don't have because I've not worked at it as a skill or a craft. It's just there to just tinker with now and again. Yeah. So I was I was pretty good as a kid because I did put the hours in. You know, I was doing soloing and all sorts that I can't do now just because I haven't you know kept it up. Um, but yeah, I was in a Metallica cover band, which was kind of interesting when the school put on like parents' evenings and they wanted a band to play and they had no idea what we were going to do. And I also was doing an Angus Young from ACDC impression uh, on my back and ended up putting the tremolo bar of my guitar through my own speaker on my amp, um, nice. which was not a great thing to do. Rock and roll oh, reflection. Yeah, <laughs> rock and roll. Yeah, age 15. <laughs> um, the other thing, and this, this might, depending on your audience, is, uh, I actually sold a push bike to Gary Glitter. Yeah, that gets a okay. reaction. Uh, long before, I mean, I, I, I don't know, should we get into this or not? Because it could take us for half an hour to explain who this character is and why he's not very desirable. But um, before we... I mean, to be honest, from my end, I'm thinking, you know, most people say something that's, I guess, pretty ordinary. Or yeah. not that 
surprising. Like, or... I like muesli. Yeah. <laughs> I just love muesli. I can't get enough. <laughs> so I think, you know, to be honest, we have to kind of go down this path now. You've uh, laid <laughs> to go down the path. Okay. So, oh God. Okay. So Gary Glitter, huge, huge pop star in the 70s and 80s in England. Massive pop star, you know, very, very famous. And it turned out that he did some unsavory things in his life involving children. And he was yeah. rightly prosecuted and put in jail for a very long time for disgusting but before all that before that event came out back it was probably late 80s early 90s i was working in a push bike shop okay and he just came in he came in complete with his wig and makeup and <laughs> um he was after he was i was down in gosport near portsmouth at okay. the time and he had a boat in southampton um and some of his friends had come in and bought bikes from the shop and then they brought him in to buy his bike and yeah he was you know the character on tv you know rock and roll you know he bought a bike called the leader which was ironic given that was his most popular song yeah but yeah and then obviously years later it all came out all this stuff and it did make me feel a bit gross but yeah it is interesting so there i can always have that to fall back on on parties you know <laughs> tell me something interesting yeah i think you've just trumped every uh answer <laughs> of uh going yeah it was fun but just life is so random you know it's so random it is random mm. i met donald trump once really i think yeah. i think that's probably worse <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a weird story, but the, the very short version is uh, me and a friend went traveling in Florida. Uh, traveling, so <laughs> most people go to like Thailand or you know wherever, but we went. Florida, we went to Florida to play golf. <laughs> well, there's plenty of alligators there, and probably make it more risky than Thailand. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was we were we were playing. We did a golf trip, and a friend of ours, um, his father lives in Palm Beach. And anyway, long story short, we were staying there for a couple of days. And he's like, I'll come to this, come to this uh, country club with us. You know, they've got a swimming pool. We'll hang out around the pool all day. So me and my mate turn up in our shorts and, you know, vest tops, like typical Brits going to a, a swimming pool. And they're all in there in their chinos and their navy uh, sports jackets with white Oxford shirts underneath. And we're like, oh, my God, what's going on? We, you know, we're dressed appallingly. They're like, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, you crazy Brits. And we're like, not being crazy. We just, we thought we were going to hang out at a swimming pool. Anyway, it turns out it was, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's a place called Mar Lago in Palm Beach, which is Trump's yeah. house. Yeah. Also, also a famous country club. And it's like, we went for brunch there. And uh, everyone, I was just, it makes me cringe just thinking about it now. But anyway, we, me and my mate were queuing up and he, he started asking us about the eggs and the donuts. <laughs> Stuff. basically just wanted to talk to you like couldn't quite believe these two chaps just sat there like what why are you dressed like this in my elite country, country club, club. But, so what when was this was this oh, this was a while ago probably okay. what we now 22 probably like 2015 okay so before he ran for president yeah. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay interesting but that, that, you know so that's great it's great that you met him because why yeah. not it's just random isn't it that... yeah like you said it's a story isn't it exactly yeah yeah absolutely yeah there's probably two characters we don't want to dwell on too much on this podcast well it's divisive <laughs> isn't it because there's loads of people that do like trump so you've got to be i think you've always got to be careful when you talk about things like this because you either you've either got to pick a side and, and own it or you've got to try and yeah. dance the line a bit like you know i i mean i don't know what side i'm on because i there are positives to him in the sense mm. that he's trying to shake up the political system which mm-hmm. i probably believe is a little bit broken mm-hmm. whether i think he's the person to do it or not I don't know. No, probably not. But are you trying? To, I, try, I don't really know enough about it to to speak with such conviction to say whether I am one way or the other. But 
probably a little bit anti if I if I had to throw my hat in. But yeah, I think I think at the beginning you could argue the point that maybe that you know you might not like his personality, but maybe he'll get some change. Yeah. But then at the end of his presidency, when he was you know it was quite clear that he was well even now. <laughs> yeah, he's not the kind of person you want in power because it's a no. dangerous dangerous path to go down. But yeah, and obviously as two Brits, what do we know? Well, I mean. Yeah, exactly. I, I I kind of have this. I'm starting to have this view about career politicians, and I I don't quite agree do you, with it. Do you find that you have these opinions as you get older? Because we're about the same age, or and when I we find... turn into our parents. You mean? Yeah, that's it. I think I think there is a progression in life where you start off quite left wing, and as you get older, you end up finding yourself accidentally on the right sometimes, and that always surprises me. You don't want to, I catch yeah, myself. When you're young, you're like that rebellious spirit, aren't you? And you yeah. change the world. And Burn the world. Let's start again. And when you're old, you're like, just, you get me, just get me to my pension and keep my house. <laughs> I just, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I'll let I you just, think about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bigger topic than probably we've got time to talk about and explore. Yeah, you'll lose all your listeners. They, they thought they'd have some fun chat and they've got politics within like 20 minutes. So Yeah, I know. But, uh. I don't know. I guess my 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 sum up of it was will be that I feel like something's got to change. I don't quite know. Oh yeah, what that I is. think I think uh, focusing on our own country because you know I think we've got more insight into our own country. I think that you can look at both political parties and think that they are not going to enact enough change to pull us out of the rut we're in. You know, on every aspect of this mm. this country is struggling. You know, from the NHS, big big institution which is struggling schools education you know all the fundamentals that build successful people are really struggling yeah and as someone with children that we both are it is a worry you know we all you always worry about the next generation coming up you worry about the planet that our children are inheriting you worry about the state of this country that they're inheriting and it's, it, it transcends politics and personalities and it yeah. goes down to what do we need to do to fix this country you know, what do we need to do to fix healthcare, education, uh, structural things like roads and buildings and things that are strong, you know, and even down to the workforce, you know, most places are now under so much pressure because the workforce just isn't there anymore. Or, mm. you know, it, it, it is a bit of a pickle, isn't it? And I don't think any sticking plaster is going to do it. Four years in office isn't going to change anything. No. And do you know what the strange thing is, it's 2023. And I almost find it crazy that we're even still talking about these things as problems like i feel like as society we should have solved half of this stuff already and and moving on to the next issue it's just cyclical isn't it you know we have you boom and bust with everything you know we are very much where our parents were in the 80s in terms of a bit of a gloomy outlook and things can turn you know we get to the 90s and money came back you know it is all cyclical and i think we will find the solutions eventually either because we're forced to or because we choose to but either way we will we have to yeah, I think something you said a minute ago is kind of where I'm at is I'm not convinced either party in mm. our two-party system has got the answers to fix it. I agree. And it's not a political problem. It's not that I am mm. saying that I don't like the Tories, I don't like Labour. It's not as simplistic as that. It's just yeah. that the way we have structured government doesn't allow for enough change because you can't you can't win votes by saying you everyone's going to have to pay more those that can afford to pay more in tax are going to have to pay more in tax to ensure that when you need an ambulance it's going to be there yeah. and when you need a surgeon he's going to be there or she's going to be there you know 
no one's going to pay for that because no one wants to pay for future problems. You only want, you only want to focus on now. And I want to, well, I want more money. I want to take home more money. I don't want to give as much in tax because I want yeah. to build an extension or I want a holiday. You know, so that's what people focus on and that's what political parties focus on. So you need something fundamentally different mm. to succeed. But I don't know what that is. Um, and I don't think we're going to see it in our lifetime, sadly. I think we'll just see more of the same. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. That was a fun, fun five minutes. Uh, we'll bring the energy back up. <laughs> well, it might be the engagement the podcast needs or someone will be like, you idiots, can't believe you're saying this. Well, that's fine. You know, let us know. You know, perhaps we are completely wrong. I'm only one person with my own viewpoint. I'm happy to be wrong. In fact, I love being wrong because you learn something new. Well, yeah. And do you know what? Today's society, it seems like it's so binary, right? You have to have one viewpoint or the other. Yeah. And that's kind of, and that's not just in politics. It seems to be in everything at the moment. I agree. There's no centre anymore. No centre no. at all. There's but no, I think that's. I think that's no that's nuance, a, is there? No, but that's. I think social media and probably Twitter more than ever drives that tribalism. You yeah. know, you know, it's like football fans. You know, you pick your team and you hate the other team no matter what they are and what they do, and that's what we end up doing with almost every subject now. Yeah. You either love it or you hate it. There's no like. Well, I see merits of both. It's weird, isn't it? Like, mm. do you think about that stuff? I mean, how old are your kids? I've got a 14-year-old and a 7-year-old. Yeah. Okay. So do you think about that sort of stuff when they're like, I mean, 14, I guess, they're just getting to the age of social media and, and The funny and thing is, the funny thing is when I watch, when I, not watch him is probably the wrong word, observe or reflect on how he uses technology, he has no interest in broadcasting himself on Twitter. He's got no interest in broadcasting himself to everyone. He has okay. a lot of interest in being in small private groups curated groups probably just him because there's plenty of creators out there of his age but it seems to me that in uh, among his friend group too that they mm. are less inclined to share their lives publicly they want to just talk privately and okay. i think that probably will shape the future of social media and communities and we see that already we see more privacy tools being introduced like twitter uh, added communities to kind of allow people to have more private conversations well, it's, it's strange, isn't it? It's like, it's almost going full circle to the communities we had as mm. societies, like hundreds of years ago, when, you know, there were 20, 30 people in your village as opposed to, and that's all you knew. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, I think you're right. And I think um, we could probably go back to forums a bit where you chose a screen name and a graphical avatar, you know, yeah. you for years you could interact with people and not know their first name. Yeah. And I, I think read a story that... a little while ago about someone who'd employed somebody and I can't remember who it was now, but they, they employed them for three years. Right. Remotely, obviously, and didn't even know their first name. <laughs> they were paying them through like a PayPal or something. And it's right. like some contractor in South America. And he's like, yeah, I don't even know his name is, but he does the job. <laughs> fine. I guess if you're happy with that, then then that's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weird. Okay, let's go to the next question. Go for it. What has been one of the most pivotal moments in your life? Right. There's obviously been a lot personally meeting my partner that we've been together now for 23 years. Had to think about that. Make sure I get that right. Um, obviously yeah. watching my two children being born were pivotal, but I will spare your listeners that. I think if I had to choose one other than those personal things would probably be my dad bringing home a BBC microcomputer. And I know you're probably familiar with the machine being of a I know. Age. Well, that's the first thing I thought of was like that. Who did I speak to the other day? I had someone on there like, oh, they were talking about their IT lessons in, in school. Mm. And like, oh, do you remember when IT lessons when we had, and they were talking about what their view of basic computers were. Yeah. 
And I said, let me tell you something. When I was at school, I had BBC computers. Exactly. And there was one yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. And you sort of had three minutes every other week to like write some bat and ball code or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, and I've got one, I've got, I actually bought one recently. It's right next to me, um, BBC Micro, because it was probably the, well, it was the machine that ignited my love for coding and that, it, you know, I didn't know it back then, age seven years old, but it sort of formed a big part of my career and where I am now and how I make an income and the companies that I've built. Um, that humble machine and those days and hours as a family typing in programs for magazine. Yeah. I know we're losing loads of people again now. They're, they're zoning out. Just stick with it for a second. Like back in the day before you had the internet and before you had CD-ROMs and before you had floppy disks, you had nothing. You typed in programs from scratch and you yeah. ran them and you played them for hours because it took you hours to get that far and you enjoyed it and moved on. And, you know, I, I loved it from the get-go, you know, typing it in, debugging it, seeing the results of that labor in a game. And, and, you know, eventually we got a tape deck and we saved onto tape, so it wasn't totally lost. And I remember yeah. going to the library and just pulling out all these books on on um, BASIC and just learning. I was just, it just flicked a switch in me that has been there ever since. And it's so something... Is that, that, is that what you always wanted? Because like that, I don't know if you've listened to one of the older ones, but I've changed the questions. And, and, that, and one of my other questions used to be, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Hmm. So did you always want to do that since no. your dad because did I, that? I, No, because you didn't see a pathway to a career back then. It's like... The, you know, mainframe programmers were serious scientists. They weren't idiots like me tapping in yeah, a bat and ball yeah. game on a Sunday morning, you know. So I didn't see, I think probably if you asked me that question, I'd probably say policeman or something, you know, one of the, the big three that you every kid wants to be, policeman, <laughs> firefighter, or, you know, something else. Astronaut. Pilot. Astronaut yeah, or astronaut. pilot, yeah. Something, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not good with heights, so that one's out for me. Um, but yeah, the old beef was that set off the passion, I think. And it was never a career for me. It was always just fun. And then I got into Amigas and... Had a that's the, you talk about the tribal thing a minute ago so when i was a kid it was either Atari. A, well no before that it was almost it was either a me commodore amiga spectrum 128k right. or the amstrad cpc something 464 maybe yep yeah cpc 464 and that's what it was at school you either had oh one of those yeah. three you're either in the gang or you're out yeah yeah fights were fought yeah no, it's the same thing for me it was the amiga or the atari and i chose amiga and i uh, loved that little machine and i coded a game sent it into a magazine and they reviewed it um and that again probably about four years later i was writing my first community platform but yeah that little bead that weird little box that turned up plugged up to the tv and that switch was flicked and that was me for life hooked i mean as far as pivotal moments go that's a pretty good one right but i mean yeah i know i know you didn't want to talk about sort of uh kids and and other halves and whatever i'm happy to talk but, about it no no but what i was going to say is I, I guess they are as a result of that moment yeah. of being seven right yeah absolutely i mean yeah absolutely yeah that love of computing i was an early adopter of the internet i met my other half on aol's aim messenger we got chatting just randomly did you yeah that's how we met so when you say well, how did you meet you go online and think oh you know dating it wasn't at all it was just a random yeah yeah billion to one encounter with the random person and uh yeah we just got chatting and developed it from there that's crazy 20, 23 years later two children how long so where was she, where was she peterborough she was here okay but you were uh, in portsmouth at that time near portsmouth gospel yeah near portsmouth yeah just got randomly chatting i started chatting in april of 2000 and I met her for the first time in person in September of 2000 in a Sainsbury's car park, which is obviously <laughs> the most romantic place you can meet anyone. Other supermarkets are available. 
Oh, wow. So I met my me and my wife met on Tinder. Yeah. Which I guess, even then, I, I look at and think from an odds perspective, it's massive odds. Yeah. But I guess compared to you, you know, at least I was looking in the right place and she was um, looking in the... Yeah, like, there's probably only about eight people online back then, so you probably the, <laughs> the odds are yeah, probably maybe. great now. But it's just another thing, is that how random life is, and I often reflect, you know, for all our things we think we can control things and all our planning and execution, we are just floating around on this yeah. rock, just meeting people by accident. We are. There's people up well, are we accident or are we part of some simulation up there Here where we go. Like, yeah, <laughs> the retention on this podcast could be terrible. Know, it's like, like massive drop of politics. Swerving. Like the Amer- Amigas are like, oh my god, now talking about bloody simulations. I know they're trying to figure out who this podcast is actually for. I think it's just for me and you at this point. Yeah, I know. It might be. <laughs> we'll throw the Matrix in later and then uh, really scare uh, people off. Great film. No, I was thinking more about the oh, uh, living in a Matrix. Well, yeah. we don't know. You know, the fact that it could possibly be a simulation, but then who knows? There's a few but, people throwing it out. I don't know if you saw. Uh, people throwing out that the matrix is an excuse as to why they're getting persecuted <laughs> no i've not i've not uh dived that deep on that topic no but i guess we've, we've avoided uh we've avoided gary glitter and trump so maybe not talking about andrew tate and logan paul's we'll probably. just we'll do andrew tate and joe rogan i think we got off. oh and uh jordan peterson and then we got a full house <laughs> <laughs> well interestingly jordan peterson I, I don't really follow him I put out a tweet the other day. I'm, I'm half thinking about starting a newsletter. I'm trying to get mm. some inspiration from some people here and there. And someone actually said Jordan Peterson said his newsletter was really good. So in the spirit of research, I've uh, signed up to it. But I don't really know enough about him to know yeah, whether or not. I think oh, so difficult because I think, we're, again, we're getting into it, aren't we? We're doing it. Okay, fine. Let's do it. Um, I think when he started out, he was fairly sensible voice you know he was quite academic and he he got famous by posting on quora okay and that was where he wrote his 20 rules for living or 12 whatever his first book was 12 rules 20 rules whatever it was and he wrote those out and it, it was fine but i think the problem is once he became famous he attracted a specific audience and then he started tailoring tailoring his content for that audience which okay. further alienated everybody else and i think that's where he is now well, it's a, I mean, the thing is, that's the strategy that a lot of these people are doing to build audiences, right? It's working for him. So. Well, it's the same as, same as you know, our friendly former uh, News of the World editor who's voicing about anything and everything. Like, And it's almost like, I, do you follow Justin Welsh on, on social media? Do you know I who he is? No, I, I'm aware of who he is, but no, I don't follow him. So he's an interesting guy. And he, he tweeted this thing about like audience building. He said, oh, you know, the, the one thing about that's not really talked about a lot in audience building is finding an enemy to to duel with oh yeah and he's and he said and then what you do is obviously you talk about your enemy and then you either get people who believe that uh train of thought and they will follow you or you get the people who are against it who will engage with you to try and talk others but in that engagement will boost your visibility and, and the rest of it but also will then follow you because they want to keep an eye on you or or like you know know when you're saying whatever you're saying and I think about the sort of the, the I guess, Jordan Peterson's, sounds like he's in that category, the Piers Morgans of this world. Like, that's that's what, they're, that's what they're doing to just... Yeah, it's engagement is how they get paid. And I think you've got to remember that when you are listening to their content. Or if you hear something you don't like, you've got to keep it in perspective. Mm. I think that it's something to look at. I mean, there was, I don't know if you know a PT called James Smith. 
Uh, yeah, he's the same, yeah. Exact, the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah Weight Watchers, wasn't it? Or Slimming World. He, he basically picked a fight with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe Wicks that, as well. Joe Wicks, yeah. yeah I think that's how they both got their, their big break. Just by no, being... no, he picks a fight with Joe Wicks. Oh, right, okay. And he yeah, even he said, I listened to a podcast of him, and he even said that he messaged Joe Wicks beforehand and said, look, just so you know, I'm coming after you. Right. Because I think Joe, I think I heard Joe Wicks talk about it. But yes, James Smith had the same thing. Yeah, you create an enemy of someone and you go after it and you get a following because there's people that there's people will follow almost everybody. You know, once you start expressing a strong point of view, um, sometimes it's just not very savoury. Um, well, he, but he's it, taking he's taking it to the next level now. And actually, from where I I, I kind of going off of him a little bit, mm. and I bought his book because I was I was kind of liking his content, and he's sort of going so far now that I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure that I. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? You create a character, and I think these people do create characters because no one's ever black and white. No one's ever good and bad. There's, you know, you create a character, and you get you resonate with an audience, and you double down, triple down, quadruple down, and you get stronger and stronger. That character becomes stronger and stronger, mm. and it works for those people. But it creates this huge barrier to, for other people to get over. And people like yourself that are maybe in the middle of it think, do you know what? That's enough. Yeah. Like Jordan Peterson, for me, when he started talking about a baby was crying and he leant over the crib and said, shut up, you little monster. I thought to me, I'm out because that's so far away from how I like to parent that I can't. Yeah. It's one of his, it's his first book. And I think I got to that part and I just stopped and thought that no. Uh, Okay. But you know, for some people, subscription to that newsletter. No, I I think, you know what? I think there is huge value in following people that, and listening to voices that you don't agree with because Mm. there's a lot to learn. And I think it always helps to get out of the echo chamber and listen to other voices. I, 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 do you know what? I 100% agree with that. I think that it is, but I mean, like when Andrew Tate started coming into prominence, everyone, everyone put out the same LinkedIn post. It was like, oh, I totally disagree with him, but you know, he's a marketing genius. Yeah. And it's true, but it makes me a little bit sad because in my mind, I'm like, right, you know, I, I would like to build an audience. Do it for good. <laughs> well, yeah, but... <laughs> It's, it takes a long, long time to do it for good, right? You know, you put out your podcasts, you put out your social posts, you know, you do engagement here and there. And I and I enjoy doing that, so I don't want to sort of say otherwise. But then in the back of your head, you're thinking, oh, do I have to be a bit of an ass and actually, yes. like, do that to really... If you it's want, tough because I'm not sure I want to do that or no, I've got that uh, in you, me. No, exactly that. I was going to say the same thing. I don't have it in me too. I'm too genial but i think if you are willing to annoy 50 percent of the planet you could be incredibly successful yeah but it comes at a cost mm. it comes at a huge cost uh jordan peterson he had numerous breakdowns addiction to um painkillers you know it's not a nice path to go down and i think that's when me at my age take a step back and go well generating a lot of money is helpful but at some point is that there's a limit well, you've got to look at your kids in the face haven't you or well, like exactly. parents or and you've got to sleep. I, I, I want to sleep at night i want to have a clear conscience that i've not annoyed thousands of people because if i read the things that people say about jordan peterson and donald trump and all these other you know binary characters it would affect me greatly i couldn't do it i couldn't but, okay let me ask you a question, question then if you if if you're on the other side of the petersons for example hmm. is there a way you can voice you being on the other side that actually does the same thing but builds your audience that or like builds yes. your people awareness that way i guess of course there is you know again you're going back to the james smith model and andrew tate's model whatever you create a villain 
and you create a lot of content around how much you hate that villain. Mm. Um, and that could that villain could quite easily be Jordan Peterson. And you could present your philosophy instead, whatever yeah. it may be. And that could be successful too. But then you are going to annoy the 50% that like Jordan Peterson and they're going to come after you. You know, I there was someone... I was on, I'm on TikTok now and again because I'm trying to keep up with the kids. <laughs> and uh, there creating was Creating or viewing? Uh, creating and viewing, actually. Okay. But um, there was this thing about... Like, I made this negative comment about Andrew Tate or something. It was a stupid comment off the cuff. You know, it's TikTok. I'm not really... It's not an essay. In in, in a TikTok video or reply to someone It was else's? actually... It was, it was a reply to someone else's. It was about jellyfish not having brains. All they do is eat and reproduce. And I said, a bit like Andrew Tate. Something stupid like that. And, uh, you know, it, it got good laughs from the initial audience because they were, you know, in my camp. But then it found Andrew Tate's audience. And then they started coming after me, you know, with comments like, are you only jealous because he's got cars and birds? It's like, well, that's a great comeback on anonymous, on anonymous user. Thank you very much. I feel like I've learned something. You know, and, you know, you, and then after a while, you just tap out. You think, I'm just letting him go with it. You know, this conversation has now got a life beyond my involvement and just let him go with it. But, it, you know, you've got to be careful with that because you have to, you have to, if you are going to go down the route of creating this strong, potentially polarizing figure, then you need to accept that, you know, you're going to get a lot of flack for it and a lot of hate and a lot of vitriol and a lot of upset people after you constantly. And they're going to try and dox you and they're going to try and follow you around too. You know, it can get nasty. Yeah, there's... um. So I don't know if you follow her on Twitter. She There's a digital PR she's called Louise and she, she did a, a, a campaign about Taylor Swift and her private jet usage or something. <laughs> right, okay. And this thing went viral and she, she kept sharing all this stuff that the... I can't even remember Taylor Swift's little army are called but they were going Swifties, after Swifties. something maybe i don't know but they've got a that's the thing once you once you push against someone's passion it's going to be in a hugely emotional response no one's yeah. thinking logically no one's thinking rationally it's just that it's, you've attacked my tribe and i'm going to get my pitchfork out and attack your tribe and it's that it, that's all we are as humans we are fighting over resources whether it be taylor swift or or burgers or whatever yeah. you know it's who we are as people yeah, it's kind of a shame that it works, isn't it, really? but It does, but I think, you know, I, I go back to, are you willing to sell a part of your soul for money? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it depends what you want out of social media, isn't it, and what you're, why you're using it, what you want to try to achieve. Yeah, and... I have no strategy. I Honestly, I watch people with strong strategy, um, and I partly admire their hustle. Uh, I just don't <laughs> I just want to just talk nonsense and just meet people and say hello and just have a laugh you know that's what i yeah. use it for i don't promote myself or my work very well at all um but that's fine by me i want a space where i can be me and not matt software developer or matt founder of this company or matt you know people like to pigeonhole i mean that's the th first thing you're told when you're trying to build a brand is to pigeonhole yourself and i don't know it limits it what is. i can say Do you know no. what that's, that's something i'm thinking about at the moment like i kind of one hand, I really want to build an audience because I know that if I build that audience, it will do my business well, do my podcast reach well and all, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, when I become a YouTuber who's doing cool stuff, then obviously it's the same thing. But you've really got to have a, a certain frame of mind to just crack on with it and basically not care what stuff's coming back to you or, exactly. you know, those posts when you get like three views one of which is your mum like or you get someone who's you know and it's kind of a really strange phenomenon about how one builds an audience without doing that and I think there's ways to do it 
like this whole building public thing I think is powerful and building that community of people who want to follow what you're doing and see what you're doing but Christ, it's hard work sometimes. It's just consistency, isn't it? It's consistency, consistency. That's all. It, when I look at the most successful people on Twitter or any, you know, channel, YouTube, whatever, it's consistency. It's all it is. You, you just keep going, mm-hmm. even when it's only your mum watching, because at some point it'll be your mum and a stranger, and then it'll be five strangers. You just got to keep going, and I just get bored too quickly. Oh, I just, yeah. uh, uh, do you know what? I'm going to do something else now. I want to be a farmer or something. I just, you know what I mean? It's like I just haven't got that staying power, and I really, truly admire people that have. Like, there's this YouTuber. Um, I'd like a bit of running and a YouTuber, Seth James Damore, and he's posted daily every single day without fail for five years. What's his name? Sorry. Seth James Damore. Seth James Damore. Okay. Yeah. And he's posted a video and it's high production. It's, I mean, they started off shaky cam, you know, vlogging style, but it's, it's quite high production. There's a lot of work on it, a lot of editing and he does it every single day without fail. Now he may do three or four videos in a day and queue them up, but most of the time he does it pretty much close to the day of posting and that for me is probably the epitome of consistency and over that time he's grown his audience and he's got um you know he gets inundated now by running companies sending him shoes to try yep. he does a lot of reviews and stuff so he he's, he's built it up really well but it's five years it's taken him it's not an overnight thing i think that's what a lot of well, people miss same as same as um casey neistat i mm. did the same thing right he he committed to doing daily vlogs mm. and that took his audience from half a million or something to 12 million or something just consistency but you listen to him on podcasts he will tell you it was hard work and he was you know basically making sacrifices every day to do it like falling out with his wife or not seeing his kids as much so hard so hard mm. you know and are you willing to be you know waiting to fly out somewhere with your kids and your family doing the last minute edit to a video because you know you've got to hit that 5 5 a.m deadline you know it's, it's hard yeah. it's hard it's not it's not something that should be taken lightly to do no so. but i think it's a very valuable lesson the consistency i think it's yeah. it's something i think about a lot about the amount of projects i've done over the years where i've started something and then three months like like you said oh, yeah, i can't bother anymore i'm exactly the same I'm terrible you know like last year or year before i, I made a, a public pledge to blog weekly I think I did mm. three and then stopped. You know, it's, it was that simple for me. It's like, do you know what? I just, ugh. no, I just don't know. It's not my personality trait is is a strong organization. So, yeah. Well, an interesting story about 10Q interview actually is we, I started this with my cousin in 2012, maybe, right. or maybe a little bit earlier. And it was back then. So it was on Blogger or Blogspot, whatever it was called back then. Yeah, and we'd email people and say, "Oh, can we interview you?" And this is when Twitter was just starting. So we had some American soap actors, we had Hollyoaks actress, we had the guy who wrote the Inbetweeners. Nice, because back then, like, you just DM these people on Twitter. They're like, "Oh, you know." It's, there was less barrier, wasn't it? It was just like hugely, right? Yeah. And we started this, and we got like eight or nine interviews out. And then it's like, "Oh, I can't be bothered anymore." Because we were trying to come up with these questions every day. So we're like, exactly. right, you'd yeah. research, you know, Matt Meacham's on today, right, let's do a deep dive on Matt, let's find yeah, out, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like, which is why the format now is what it is. Because mm-hmm. back then, it's like, it's just so hard work. It really well, yeah, is. I mean, the pros have researchers to do it for you and they give you like a crib sheet and you just read yeah. off that. But you, yeah, when you do it on your own, it's hard. It's such hard work. Such but hard I look work. back on that 10 plus years ago and think, where would I be now? If I just kept going, 
mad you'd gone mad right <laughs> well maybe but then or, or or conversely maybe you're you're the joe rogan right like yeah of course you don't who knows and that's why now i'm i'm doing this and i've come up with a format i like which is less research and i've been very open about that it takes mm. a lot of the hard work away from it you know, i like the fact that you don't know who i am particularly and what i do because it's more of a fun conversation you're not trying to steer me down a path yeah or trying to pull information for a specific audience it's it's, it's much better I, I like this well i appreciate that thank you and i think the reason i landed on this format and happy with this format and, and I, I think it works is because you listen to every other podcast they almost say the same thing every time right because they know what stories like your gary glitter story so now you said that on here anyone who researches you in the future like oh matt tell us about your gary glitter yeah, story exactly. like, yeah. okay and then it almost becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. You go on another podcast, it'd be like, oh, I've, I've heard you've met Gary. And then yeah. all, of a sudden, all, all you're doing then is just saying the same story over and over and over again. So, Yeah, and I get that. And I, and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. And you know when a guest has got something to promote because they do Rogan, they do Armchair Expert, they do Fly on the Wall or whatever. They do all the big ones. And it's the same conversation, <laughs> like you say, because it's the template. The researchers have given them the notes. They know what questions to ask. They're rehearsed on how to reply and it gets a bit bland. So this is much more exciting. Well, this is why. So this was the, that, what you just said then was the catalyst of why I started this again last year mm-hmm. was when Terry Crews came out to promote his book. And I've said this before in the podcast as well. So and it was exactly that. He came out and he went on Rich Roll. He was on Rogan. He was on Ferris. He was on, and it was literally, I could have probably edited that i could have snipped out the interviewer and you wouldn't have known which podcast yeah. it was on it was literally 100%. word for word 100 percent, yeah and yeah. i don't think you get to know the whole person either when you when you do it like that you know when you when you know they it's a relate you know when you get a big name in to come and do a podcast whoever you are the, you know that they're to plug something and that's part of the game mm-hmm. so you tend to tailor your questions around that and you don't get to know the, the know the whole person other than stories that you've heard before a dozen times so yeah and do you know what actually so your i think your episode 35 or 36 and i've only had one episode i won't mention who it is but i've only had one episode before where they went plug 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 right and i was i have published it and i i taught i i debated for a long time whether to push it out or not mm. and it annoyed me because they were just plugging the whole yeah. way every question was like oh you know well blah 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 this is my business it's like, oh, you know, tell us about what you want to be. Well, when I was younger, I really wanted to start a business, and this business is probably. Oh, jeez. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. So you're not getting genuine, honest answers. No, you're, you're just not. getting. And it was patter. painful. It was painful recording it, and it was yeah. painful listening to it back. It was, I was just like, oh. But, yeah, you, I think you're right to but publish one, it. One out of 35 is not a bad ratio. That's not right? bad, is it? And no. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's going to get that, aren't you? If you do, if you do a thousand, you're going to get more, but it yeah, is what it is. You know, it's yeah. hard for you, the host. To try and make it entertaining for your audience without it coming across like an hour-long ad. But going um, back to what you're saying, the consistency thing is important, right? It's, of course, that's that's the key. Of course, I mean, you know, I've been doing the same product for about 20 years, built a team up around, you know, mm. and it's just that consistency that's got us here. There's nothing, no special skills. There's no magic. There's no nothing like that. It's just well, that's right. So if you'd given it up six months after you started, like, yeah, oh, you know, I can't be bothered done. anymore. Then yeah, yeah, don't know where exactly. you'd be now, right? Exactly. So fortunately, the passion that I had for it at the time kept me going till I, till yeah. I and got a team going and then, you know, the burden shared and, you know, you get more voices in. It's, it's a different thing then. Indeed. On that note about consistency, is there a tiny habit or practice that has had a positive impact on your life or your work? 
tiny impact. I think for me, you know what? Like I am terrible with organization. I'm terrible with attention span. So for me, I've tried a lot of approaches to focusing and getting stuff done. But I think the simplest advice and the simplest thing that I do is the most boring and basic, and that's just write a list. I find if I write a list in the morning to plot out what I should be doing today, I will probably get it done. If yeah. I don't do that, I just a nightmare. I just freewheel around like a kid high on sugar, bouncing from thing to thing yeah. without any structure, and I don't get as much done. So no, really that. There's, that I think there's a phrase, isn't there? Something like if you don't plan out your day, oh god, what is it? If you like, if you don't plan it out, it'll just run away from you or take, Ex- or it'll do what it wants rather than what you want. Or exactly. Something like that. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not a, a huge productivity person. You know, I've tried tons of apps like the Pomodoro timer and thing. You get like a 20 minute. You know, it, it works for a day, and after that, I'm like, no, I want to be on Twitter for half an hour now, and that's what I'm going to do. So yeah. stick it. <laughs> but I do find just my list. Like if I know I need to do a couple of pull request reviews i need to do an email to someone i need to talk to someone about something i need to set them up to make sure they got what they need for their project if i write it down and it's in front of me on my desk it stops me going wandering too far and i think that's just key you've got to just stop yourself wandering too far because it's really easy with the modern internet that we have that yeah. it's there on available always twitter's fascinating i could spend all day on there i could spend two days on tiktok i could even hang out on some facebook groups if i wanted to so you've really got to you know to funnel your thoughts into a into a productive way to get stuff done i think it's funny you said that i mean I, i'm very similar like i've tried every productivity app under the sun and i always come back to my post-it notes yeah it's just like, I, like, I, I literally bought it's just in front of me here a little wedge-shaped desk organizer organizer and the front of it is a whiteboard well, it's actually a blackboard but you know it's the same kind of yeah. thing and i write down there and i wipe off at the end of the day and i just if i do that i'm great if i don't if i I go for a couple of days and i think i don't need to do that i know what i need to do today and it just all falls apart within by lunchtime i'm just like <laughs> Oh, the whole day's gone. I just think it's interesting that it's a simple thing, and I think probably does work to hmm. a certain degree. Yeah, I think we try and more, it, it works as efficiently as anything else. Agree, and I, 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 and I so. think it might just be our generation, perhaps. But I do find handwriting it is more powerful than just tapping on a computer. It somehow feels more real yeah. when you've handwritten it out and you've got it on physical media in front of you, and you can look at it and screw it up at the end of the day and chuck it in the bin. Something quite satisfying about that. It's like a closure, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, exactly. You you do you know draw a line under it and think, well, I've actually achieved stuff today. Hooray! Rather than yeah. oh, well, that was a disaster. <laughs> okay, so writing down your to do list as opposed to typing it's not, it out or any other. Right, it's not amazing. I'm sorry. I'm no, I I, give you I, some... I I I think simple is often. I mean, there's no money in simple because you can't sell a SaaS for. But this is like, it. Multiples on you know to-do list or like, I mean I, I to-doist I think I looked at or notion my notion folder I have a to-do list and then but the thing is it's hidden you have to go and look at it to see yeah. it if it's on a post-it note attached to underneath your monitor and you look down you see it yeah you, you can't get away from it and that's that is literally it for me I need to have a bright light in my face and being told to do it otherwise it doesn't work I'm the same and do you know what else is when I do write it down I actually look at it and go right if I've got x amount of hours between when I need to drop my kids off and pick my kids up or, or whatever those two end points are. Yeah. It's amazing how quick, what's it that park? Is it Parkinson's law or something where what you do expands to fill your um, available time? Yeah. I touched on this. Actually, I'm listening to a book again. I've listened to a few times in my life. I don't know if you've come across it before. You probably have the chimp paradox. Yes. By <laughs> professor Stephen Peters. You seen it? Yeah. I think everyone's had a listen to that. Yeah. And that kind of notion that we have 
sort of two two brains in a way. We have the primitive chimp brain, which mm-hmm. reacts emotionally, and you have the human brain, which responds logically. Yeah. And I think that we are me. I'm very chimp brain. Like, set me a deadline, and my chimp freaks out and gets it done. Give me yeah. a month to do something, and my human side will find loads of reasons not to do it. And I think that is a skill is is harnessing both of your brains like that to get but that's stuff it done. when you do it on a day by day basis it's impactful right if it's like mm. oh you've got three months to do this project oh i'll wait till the last week <laughs> yeah of course same here I, exactly the same whereas if i write stuff down i think what i was trying to say was if i write it down i look at it and go actually i've got six hours today mm-hmm. but actually looking at it i don't think that'll take me more than three mm-hmm. but yeah yeah no i i think humans me and most people i've come across need a deadline give me a deadline and i will work my socks off if you don't give me a deadline then who knows my socks will stay very firmly on we like to <laughs> pretend we're sophisticated we're not beings, don't we we're not no, we're bloody stupid sometimes. we are stupid irrational creatures yeah. that somehow stumble through the days <laughs> that's gonna be the title of my autobiography <laughs> i think it's a good tiny habit i think like i said i, I do the same and, and drink drink more stuff. drink more water there we go there's two do you know what there's a whole industry around people being told to walk more make a list and drink more water and people make a fortune selling that as a plan hmm. because i think we just need to be told and it's funny you know i think one of my dad's old sayings was that you get like um a specialist in to review your business and all they really do is take your watch off and tell you the time because yeah. you just need someone to tell you it's like um yeah my wife one of these water bottles like this yeah he's like got the markers 9 a.m 10 a.m <laughs> i've got this monstrosity let it's empty yeah and it you is just, need, you to, just... You need to pee more that's the only downside yeah when it gets our age it starts becoming a night exactly thing. especially when you've got kids in football that are in a field in the middle of nowhere <laughs> yeah i'm not quite there yet thankfully but <laughs> right that's that's another 10 percent of our audience gone yeah i know old men <laughs> need to pee a lot <laughs> brilliant <laughs> It's only be me and you left in a couple of tumbleweeds by the time you get you'll, to you'll, We're currently talking, it's like an hour in, and you'll probably find this is a 10-minute podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I, I very rarely edit it that Do heavily. You? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll try um, not to cough. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, let's talk about superpowers. Go on, I, I believe everyone's got at least one. What's yours? I can fly. No, I wish. I'm not good with heights, so that wouldn't be good with me. I think my superpower, if you like, is I think I'm quite perceptive of people and their emotional states. Does that sound weird? I think I can, I'm quite good. It sounds quite, yeah, empathy. I was going to say I'm quite good at reading people, but that seems cynical and and strategic. But I'm just aware, like, I don't believe in auras and stuff like that, but I'm aware of how people feel when I'm talking to them. And I do adjust how I respond to that. It might just be all in my head, quite possibly is. But I think that's, uh, when I've built communities, I think that's been quite helpful in kind of reading between the lines and taking cues and things and, and, making decisions based on the whole information rather than just what's being said okay if that makes sense good superpower well it's not really is it i mean it's not going to make a comic i'm not going to be perception man like i, I can tell well, you're upset it's a, real, <laughs> it's a real world superpower right i mean you know you could be batman superman whatever like there's yeah, there are people they're... in trauma those two they're very yeah. traumatic lives no i agree you know i think it's just part of being a human and trying to be a good human you know just being respectful of other people and how they feel um, yeah. And I think we as humans, we issue a lot of cues that aren't always in line with what we say. Like typical Brit thing, like, how are you? I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, standard bit, response. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So sometimes just being aware of that. 
like sometimes you can feel sadness coming off people in waves sometimes anger and they could be quite stoic in their presentation but you just feel i, I just i don't know maybe i'm just mad and it's not exactly what they're projecting and i just perceive it to be so but and my whole life has been a lie <laughs> no i'm sure you're on something you just you just said something that made me think about you said about community about building communities mm. i don't know kind of going back to one of the earlier questions almost but why why is community suddenly so trendy it's trendy because it's effective and i think there's quite a cynical use at the moment in terms of brands using it to leverage sales and advice i think you said this right at the beginning yeah and i think people have cottoned on that it's now something you can use as a tool and not all brands do this we work with some great brands that try and build community in the right way but there are a lot of brands that try and use it as a what they call a moat Mm -hmm. in that you can try and have some influence over the direction of the conversation which is a fallacy if you start a community as a brand because you want to try and control what people say then you you're doing it wrong yeah all you can do is be quicker to respond to problems and you can be more involved in those day-to-day conversations so that people know the whole business and the people behind the business and will have more empathy for you if things do go wrong because that's ultimately what generates most content is when something goes wrong yeah. you know if we, if we make a release and it's a bad release and it screws up people's communities you know engagement triples so there's a, an engagement tool for you screw up and you yeah, will yeah. get loads of more engagement but you know i think you know because we are active on our own community you know you can reason with people and apologize and be quicker to respond and firefight than you could if you had no community of your own if you were responding on just twitter or social media or something so i think that's probably why it's trending i think the pandemic accelerated that obviously we were then isolated and the only way we could communicate was online and through yeah. communities so i think that probably accelerated it a bit who who's in your mind who's the first brand you think of would ask who's like who's doing it well who's doing well i would say and this is so corporate squarespace okay they have a a fantastic community team full of really smart people that genuinely care about the community and their goal is to make it things easier for their community to use their product now obviously there's there is a brand incentive because if people are enjoying using the squarespace squarespace platform they're going to stick around and keep paying you know recurring revenue but And and become advocates and become advocates yeah but now ultimately I genuinely believe that the team is there to make the people's lives easier that already use their platform. Okay. And they do it well. They do it well, really well. They're very thoughtful, very strategic. Um, A lot of human empathy as well, because community, when you're trying to provide, sorry, when you're trying to prove the value of a community to decision makers within a big organization, it can be distilled into numbers because there's something that, you know, the universal language is math. You know, sales are up 20% because of this, but ultimately there is a soft skill as well that, people are happier people are more content people are finding information they need quicker and those mm. things are probably more important to the people within the community interesting i mean i i don't use squarespace so probably that's the reason i don't know that but you must see their adverts on youtube then oh yeah i mean all the time like they're, they're they up there do. with the vpn providers of being vpn like and the... athletic greens yeah. <laughs> everywhere yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> athletic green i looked into that as a result of podcast i was like oh maybe we'll give it a try it's price mate it's too much Oh my god, it was hundred pounds so a month. Yeah. No, if it was fifty quid, I'd be in. But hundred pounds a month, I just buy broccoli. It's fine. I <laughs> know. Oh it's a bit. It's a bit. Uh, I, I'm. I'm. I'm game at giving most things a try, but I was like, you price. I don't even know why it's so expensive. I mean, I, don't, well, I think. Not... I think for me, if I had everything dialed in perfectly, and I just need another two percent, I would probably do it. But my yeah. life's a you know mess. So what's the point? It'd be like you know, it wouldn't make any impact on me at all. Yeah. 
you know. Yeah, I, I chatted to um, a, I don't know what you want me to call him. He wasn't a biohacker and he was very clear he wasn't that because he, he didn't really agree with it. But he said that, he goes, all this biohacking stuff is great, except there's so much other stuff going on. Hmm. He's like, you know, you see these people are doing this biohacking in the week and then go and do 10 pints on a Friday night. And This is it. Yeah, I mean, parents, difficult to get sleep. But, you know, what's the point? of surviving on four four hours sleep about this the other day right exactly what's the point of, of getting four hours sleep living on caffeine and taking athletic greens it's not going to yeah. do anything you're just throwing 100 pounds down the drain but yeah. if you were getting eight hours sleep your diet was dialed in your exercise was dialed in you just needed a little bit more then fine go for it yeah but for me yeah but yeah funny case study athletic greens everyone hears about it and we're giving them a free plug so um, yeah, yeah, I'm not even getting, not even getting sponsorship getting, money. For well, this. there you go, you might get a free jar. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of exercise, I noticed you wearing a Garmin and a yeah, Apple I'm a two, yeah. I, I don't know why I do that. It's really embarrassing, but yeah, no, I, um, I'm trying to decide. I do like running. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but I do like it. Uh, so the Garmin's great for that. Yeah, and it also has like things got like body battery and stuff like that, so you can check your yeah. heart rate variance so that's useful information to know when you're ready for a long run and when you're ready for a short run and you need to wear it all day to get that info yeah. but the apple watch is obviously great for i'm showing your viewers that aren't even watching the video yeah, yeah, yeah. um I, the apple watch is great for everything else you know notifications unlocking my mac unlocking my car it's great yeah. for everything like that so it really is i wear too now i think i'm probably going to take the garmin off and just wear it when i go running because the apple watch is developed to a point now where it can do that sort of monitoring your um oxygen levels and monitoring your heart rate variance then there's actually a few third-party apps now that can bring garmin like functionality in terms of body battery onto the apple watch oh, so I'll, probably, okay. I'll probably use the apple watch one more now for state of readiness and things like that and i do the garmin so it can probably just be tracked for runs now as a gps device more than a you know a lifestyle okay. device how, how yeah. often are you running uh i usually about three or four times a week well i'm okay. taking a bit of a break in a minute yeah so half marathon is the longest i've done any any plans to go longer or is that you oh i think yeah no, no, I definitely want to do a marathon. I think uh, as a runner, you want to do at least one marathon. And apparently when you do one, you end up doing more. So I'll, see, I'll let you know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Do I, 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 you just made me think so. Do I remember, do you know Ben Barber-Smith? Yeah, yeah. Do I remember seeing your name in his running community, his everyday runners? Did you ever join probably, that on Telegram? Yeah, I probably did for a while, yeah, because he was doing the run streak thing, wasn't he? Yeah, no, I yeah. probably was in there, yeah. I'm curious about that. There's a couple of people on TikTok that do... Like one guy's got like a 715 day run streak. And I think that's just amazing. I shared a link in there of someone who's got like, it's like tens of thousands that run every day for like 20 years or something. Mad, isn't it? I, I, and again, consistency, you know, it's, yeah. I, I admire people that are consistent like that because I don't think I could. I think that if I, like sometimes I wake up and I feel full of cold and I oh, screw it, I'm going to not do it today. Mm. But I suppose if you had a 700 day, like I've got like a 700 day streak on Duolingo. So I guess. Have you? Yeah, that's consistency. And I think I look at that and I think well, I'm going to do it every night now because I got this far. I'd hate myself if I screwed it up. What? Um, it's like gamification, isn't it? That's a it is. Oh, I've, I did a blog on that gamification of Duolingo because it's quite powerful. French, so talk me through. It? So interesting you say that, right? So my daughter's five hmm. and she has this, I don't know where it's come from, whether it's school or not. I, I, I have no idea. She's got this obsession with learning Spanish and she wants to move to Spain. She said to me the other morning, she's like, Daddy, can we move to Spain? I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's a much worse place than Spain's lovely. I know. Yeah. I was like, if we can talk your mum into it, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's go for it. you got leverage. If the five-year-old's asking, mum's more going to be on board than if you were asking. Yeah, true. But anyway, she's, um, so she wants to learn Spanish. So we were sitting there on the, on the breakfast, on the island the other day and I had my 
Mac open and I had Google Translate and we were just I was, she's like oh daddy how do you say this and I type into Google Translate mm. and we get it back and it kind of got me thinking and I remember I don't know maybe it was your post I saw about Duolingo but I mean everyone talks about it I guess mm. so it's probably somewhere so I, they do a kids version right I think and I'm I, it's on one of my tabs to look at and uh it's a very long-winded way of me asking you what what does what does it look like what do you do well, they changed the you, format. you said recently. every evening, right? Yeah, so I tend to do it every Sometimes I do it in the morning when I remember. But sometimes I've done it at like 11.55. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and I've got I've literally woken myself up and done it. <laughs> so it's, it's basically, you can do, it's broken down into the whole journey to learn a language is broken down to obviously mini goals, mini steps. Yeah. Uh, and each lesson is probably takes you about five minutes. So it is designed to fit in those moments where you might reach for Twitter or TikTok to amuse yourself. I just have, and they're, they're pitched just about on the cusp of being difficult so they make you think but they're not so difficult that you get frustrated like there's right. some days where i get eight wrong in a row and i want to throw my phone in the bin and just forget the whole idea but okay. most days i get one or two wrong and you go back and correct it and it's fine but yes yeah, it's, it's some some uh, it has options if you are able to listen you can do audio so you can speak back into the microphone and it will check your pronunciation and things so you've done 700 days in a row yeah i started in the last lockdown okay and I had this idea, I want to keep it going, see if I can get a month. What, you know, that what whole language notion. are you doing? French. It's French, yeah. And I, I did French in school. Okay. So it's probably, and it's probably one of the easiest, like French, Spanish, German, they're quite easy because they do translate easier right. onto English patterns and ways of thinking. If you look at like Ukraine or Chinese, or it's just bonkers. It's, you've got to understand what the characters look like before you can get yeah, into it. Course. Whereas obviously you've got a head start with um, acrylic languages. Yeah, um, non-critic languages. Sorry. So yeah, I just wanted to start that and just see how long I keep it going. And here we are, seven hundred and ten days, I think. So in real terms, where were you seven hundred days ago compared to now? Do you think in in your knowledge? Knowledge. Well, obviously, it's not as deep as you would get if you were learning with a teacher. Yeah. You know, I reflect on my French lessons. We had an hour, whereas I tend to do one or two lessons of so five, ten, maximum fifteen minutes. You're not going to get the same depth. But what it does make you quite good at is it recognizing the written language. Like if I see someone on Twitter or wherever and they type it in French and it has like the translate, sorry, translate tweet under yeah. it, I'll have a go at breaking it down. And obviously the difference between learning the language formally, like Duolingo would teach you versus how people speak conversa- conversationally is yeah. different. Um, so there are some things I don't, I don't understand, but I get the gist of it now. Okay. And I can, there we have a customer that's, um, based in france based in paris and i have a little attempt and i tell them oh matt's matt's no yeah seriously you know hello i am matt how are you you know and it is that and i had a chat to their seo expert and she was brilliant she was trying to teach me stuff and she found the whole thing fascinating but yeah you can you can start conversational very basic it gets out of your depth very quickly because one you've been learning with an app so you don't always get the pronunciation right or the phrasing right or the pacing right and other times it's just they start speaking like you and I very loose conversational is very different how we would speak formally. So speech patterns, contractions, things like that start to slip in sayings and phrases that aren't that mean something else when we say them. So it gets quite confusing. But yeah, I yeah. think it's just been about that habit and consistency really more than learn. You know, if I had spent two years with a tutor and being yeah. forced to converse in French and being forced to watch French TV and without subtitles and figure it out, I would be fluent. But as it is, I know a bit and I can get by if I went to France. I could pick off, I could order in a restaurant. I could book a hotel and I could tell people how I was feeling and that'd be about it, really. Just with confidence, you know, if okay. I was pushed into 
more I could probably just about get by. Uh, do you know, I'm, I, you kind of give me the nudge. I sort of, like I said, it's on one of my million tabs that are open, but I might, yeah, have a look at that kids, kids Duolingo. Give it a go, you know. It's, it's good, isn't it? For if, you, if your kid's showing an interest in something, oh, it's nurture really that like, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, she might get bored within five minutes, but she might not. Yeah, hopefully they've got a trial pack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think they've got a free version. You just pay for extras. You know, I do the. I paid for it because one, I thought if I put some skin in the game, I'm more likely to do it. Yeah. And two, you like with the free version, you get hearts, and if you get more than three questions wrong, you have to start again, and that would stress me out. So you don't have you don't have that limitation with the paid version, so you can make tons of mistakes. Uh, um, okay. And not not be penalised for it. I'll have a look. I'll have a look at that later. Let's talk about what topic is guaranteed to get you on your soapbox. Oh, many. My soapbox is well used. Uh, I would say anything community based would get me on my soapbox. But then conversely, the demise of Commodore in 1994 could equally get my my soapbox. What aspect of community riles you the most? Or what what do you see that said that annoys you the most? I think I I think what annoys me the most with community is probably very cynical usage of community. In fact, you know, trying to pretend to care about people, but only doing it for your own ends, that riles me up. As does... Isn't that just what marketers... It's, it's funny you say this, because I, I've, I've kind of scheduled my... I'm doing a social post later, and it's a similar thing about email newsletters. Hmm. And I guess it kind of tied in with community, I suppose, to a certain degree, because that's, that's a way of communicating with your community. And I was having a chat with them on LinkedIn, some guy yesterday, and we were talking about why newsletters are so bad. And he asked me why I thought, and I was like, because they're always trying to bloody sell you something. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I think, I don't know, I just don't like that cynical use of something. And I'm, I'm well aware that you need to do things to make money in this industry and you need to do things like that. But I don't know. I think community is a special place, you know, and I think if you abuse people's trust or mislead them into what they're there for, it, it that gets me on my soapbox. So, okay, so my hypothesis is that, hypothesis is that um, community and email to a certain degree, and I know they're not the same, but the, the long term, I think if you play the long term game, game, I think it pays off. Well, yeah, if you're going to sure. apply that level of marketing cynicism, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's your thought? Do you agree with that? Disagree with that? Like, is it the people sort of abusing this community on a short because it's a short term basis and they want those sales numbers and it's basically an accounting thing? Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen very often, thankfully, and I'm not. It's not a hugely widespread problem, but it's that and just the misuse of community and what it means to people because people you're getting someone to invest in the community or yourself you know you've got to repay that trust okay let me sorry to interrupt let's let's let me ask you a different question first what is the definition of community Hmm. broadly speaking when people come together over a shared topic okay so if i'm the ceo of acme widgets and i want i guess why would i build a community I would say you can start, right, okay, obviously community can be expensive to start. It can be expensive mm-hmm. to run. It can be expensive to maintain. So you're quite right as a as a business owner to want something tangible back. You're quite right to say, I want a community because we need to, we need to increase retention. You know, we're finding that there's too much churn. 
we find that people buy our product and within three months they've cancelled their subscription. Yeah. And we feel that if we created a community, we could help people learn the platform better, get help faster, and generally be more invested in the product. That's yeah. that's that's actually a good business goal and it's a good reason for a community to exist. Because you are you want to keep people on your platform. Yes. But transactionally you are giving them back help support access to the teams they can have influence over the development of the product they can feel more involved in that product and they will go and champion that product for you so it can very much work hand in hand and i think that's absolutely fine i think in that's realistic you know the world isn't all sunshine and rainbows you know you have to have a business goal attached to it if you're going to get someone to invest it's when it's a bit more cynical and a bit more less planned out and a bit more like unnamed guests that just want to come and plug something over and over again and don't care about the audience or yourself yeah that's when i get a bit annoyed fair enough it's a good soapbox yeah i'd just be good to people you know it's just simple yeah it's often forgotten isn't it like being kind being nice helping people out like i'm not saying you should always do it for an ulterior motive but at the same time there is an ulterior mode, like there is an ulterior outcome there that people like to repay, right? And it's, I don't know. Well, the thing is, if you, you if I had that. a, if I had a problem in my life, of which there are many, and you had a solution for a small fee, and you would help me learn and understand how to use that for my small fee, yeah, that's a fantastic relationship. There's no problem with that. Yeah, and that's the good side of things. But there is a dark side of marketing too, where you kind of lie to people and manipulate the truth and so on. So you know you've got to be careful with that but there's nothing yeah. wrong with being helpful and kind even if you even if being helpful and kind you know you're going to get an extra twitter follower or you know you might get another income for your business that's fine in my eyes because you yeah. still help someone agreed agreed you know it's like be- um a lot of people on tiktok that are now walking around supermarkets handing you know filming people giving them cash to change their lives that's that's gross to me because that's a bit cynical that's too cynical for me yeah, yeah, yeah. you're helping someone by giving them money but you're filming it and putting them online you know and there was a case where more recently some woman was handed flowers by a tiktok guy and he filmed her and he's oh those are for you you know i want to cheat her and she looked shot and she went on record saying i hated it i hated the attention i hated being given flowers as a total invasion my you know are now famous across the world for this and, she, <laughs> and it's like he you know it, it seemed like an act of kindness but actually it wasn't it was very cynical he Clout. did it to increase exactly so i think yeah. you got to be careful and i think it goes back to who you are as a character if your underlying motive is to help people but That's you still need to pay word, that is you've motive. got to and you've got to want to help people but you also got bills to pay at the end of the day so you've got yeah. to get paid for that help but if your if your core reason is for good and to try and help someone absolutely fine yeah fair enough what's the best piece of advice you've heard that's funny, isn't it? Because we're, we're bombarded with advice from people all over the place. And sometimes some of it has like a short-term impact that doesn't last. I think really, I think for more impactful things, you have to go back to the fundamentals. And I think it's something as simple as, for me, was to improve your mood is to exercise. And that is the most basic thing that you hear all the time. Like if you, because I get periods of low mood and things like that and low energy. And I think one constant I've always kept through is just exercising, sometimes just a walk, sometimes lifting weights in the garage. I've got some stuff in the garage. Sometimes it's running. And I think that has probably been the most life-changing advice that I've been given is to exercise regularly, especially when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Just, um, 
Rich Roll. Do you know who Rich Roll is? I'm a big fan of Rich, yeah. Yeah, so his mood follows action is one yeah. of his sayings that, weirdly, someone asked me the other day, like, oh, what's the best advice you've ever heard? And I said a similar thing to you. I was like, it kind of depends. It's like when someone asks you what's your favourite film or your favourite <laughs> right. song. Like, There's so many different ones, but it depends on, in that moment, you know, your mood or how you're feeling or what's going on as to what the answer is. But strangely, Mood Follows Action has been my underlying one that Mm -hmm. always seems to work. And that could be whether it's, you know, I'm struggling with work or something at work, or it could be I'm struggling with something, you know, with the family or whatever it might be. Just getting out there and doing something. You know, even if it is, I mean, it's it's a bad time for me to talk about it because I haven't been out for a run in, in months, but generally so like, you know i'm gonna go and do a quick 5k or even not even that far sometimes it could just be like a quick round the block or something exactly exactly that i did i usually do about 10k is my normal go-to do that easy yesterday all i could mentally do and physically do was 3k but i did it i got my trainers on i got my mm. water bottle filled up i went out there and i did it and i think that's fine you get the same benefit it doesn't have to be in fact yeah. it's easier to tell yourself and i think if you're probably familiar with atomic habits that if you tell yourself, okay, I'm going to get my shoes on, and if I mm-hmm. still don't want to go for a run, then I'll just take them back off again. But the the fact that you've mentally changed gears and you've yeah. physically changed clothing, you're more likely to do it. But if you tell yeah. yourself, you've got to run 10K today, you're like, no, mate, I can't. I'm too tired. And someone said, you just get your shoes on and go out for a kilometer. More likely to do three, five, 10 anyway. But the fact that you, you know, it's back to that chimp brain. You know, you tell the chimp you got to run 10K, it stresses out. If you tell it, just get your shoes on and go for a quick walk. It's more, okay, that's fine. I can do that. Do you know, weirdly, the biggest stress for me at the moment, I was talking to someone else about this, is like, since I started my podcast, I used to love podcasts. I still do love podcasts. That's why I do one. But since I started doing this, I listen to them a lot more rarely than I used to. Cool. And yeah. even more so, I mean, I used to commute into London every day. So I used to walk to the station, I'd listen to a podcast, I'd walk from the station to the office, I'd listen to a podcast. And I would get through, I don't know, 10 hours of podcasts each week, if not more. And then obviously I stopped commuting. So then it was exercise, right? Every time I go out for a run and going back to the Ben Barbersmith's Everyday Runners Club, I used to run every day. Some days it'd be a mile, some days it'd be 5k, Mm. whatever. But then I'd listen to my podcasts. And I was getting frustrated yesterday because I'm. everyone's got a great recommendation of a podcast. And I've got this queue in Spotify now, stuff I'm downloading that I really want to listen to. And I'm, not, I'm just not, because I'm not running at the moment or doing anything that's like sort of tight. You know, I might take my daughter to nursery. It's like two minute drive. It's like by, the yeah. time you, by the time your Bluetooth's hooked up, yeah, you get out of the car again. Yeah, I can't remember where I was going with this, but... Oh yeah, so yeah, so but running used to be my thing. That's like, right. So once I stopped commuting to London, running was where I used to listen to my podcasts, hmm. and now I'm not even doing that anymore. And it's like, right, I got to start getting back into that. But it's hard, isn't it? Trying to find time. Time is hmm. like the most precious thing we have, and it slips through our fingers. You know, it's it's going back to the reason that I do like write lists and things is try and get more productive, so I can do what I need to do in a shorter time span to allow me to do things that I want to do on top of that, like running and things. And I think. It's important to do that for your own mental health. You know, I think especially we where we are now, we live in this kind of hustle and grind culture that you've got to hustle, you've got to grind, got to grind, got to grind. And I think that yeah. just destroys people. It destroys people because you can't do that long term. 
and the human brain isn't designed to work like that so you've got yeah. to find time for things you enjoy whether that's listening to podcasts or running or both yeah i agree you've got to give yourself permission to do that which sounds weird because you've got to feel like especially when you're trying to get a business off the ground you've got to work 24 hours a day to do that but that's probably the worst thing you can do because you won't survive that yeah it comes back to that short-term view doesn't it versus long-term it's mm. just not stable i mean my, funny enough my wife said to me yesterday she goes oh i haven't done a hip class this year mm. i mean i know we're only like two weeks in she goes, i haven't done one she goes oh this week's really busy i was like yeah but you kind of it comes back to that Par- parkinson's law isn't it it's like mm. you will be as busy as as much time as you give yourself to be busy to a certain extent exactly i think sometimes like that i'm, I'm not a fan of like over organizing my calendar and i see people that live by 10 minute increments on their calendar and that's not me but i think for stuff like that you just you do need to schedule it in because when you've got yeah. a young family there is no time you can find a million things to do every night yeah exactly but if you schedule like tuesdays the night i do my hit class it's just law and then you just get on with it rather than well, you work it out don't you of course you do as family you have to we're the same we've got yeah, two yeah, but kids. what i mean is if you put it into calendar yeah if you don't you're 100% right if you don't put it in the calendar you'll just end up i don't know not doing whatever doing yeah or you do like in the calendar it's like right we'll deal with it and it's, it's back, yeah, exactly it's back to those habits you know if you if you put it in the calendar and you put your gym stuff in a bag tuesday morning knowing you're going to do it tuesday night you're going to do it if you do if you don't it's not in the calendar you've got no gym bag ready you're not going to do it no matter what yeah. you tell yourself yeah no mood follows action i like I, yeah like i said it's it's something that i've i'm a big rich roll fan as well and i think that yeah it's uh it's one one of those ones that i mean you like you said you hear it stuff all the time we're inundated with bloody inspiration and advice mm-hmm. you know on social media but it's the one that always seems to stay there in the back of the head it is isn't it it's like yeah. you've got to take you've got to take action and once you do take action yeah your mood follows no matter what's yeah. going on in your day once you achieve something or you've done something you do feel better for it or even plan something so you think of all the people that have dropped off because of all our earlier chat now i've missed out on that wisdom should do Sad. this bit, do this bit first <laughs> and then we'll they can stay for the rest i'll re-edit it <laughs> yeah matt if we spoke again in 10 years time and you'd considered that that 10 years has been a pretty successful decade what would have happened that i've continued to find balance in my life between okay. family and work it's that simple for me have you always been balanced <laughs> no no priorities change don't they once once the children came along that was that was it for me that was they're the main part of my life yeah i need to support them and that i support them through work because if i don't do work i don't get paid it's simple again yeah. that transactional society we live in but also i didn't want to be the dad that was never did the school run i didn't want to be the dad that never went to school plays that didn't you know was busy at weekends i've had to work evenings and stuff for stuff's all right that's that's normal you know i yeah. think a friend said it to me like everyone strives perhaps balance is the wrong word everyone strives for what they consider work-life balance and yeah. a lot of people express that through starting work at nine finishing at five and then but that's not always possible when you are self-employed or you're trying to build a business so he talks about work-life balance uh, sorry work-life integration where you accept that the boundaries are blurred but you prioritize family too so you yeah. might decide to work until four have dinner with the kids play with the kids do the clubs whatever put them to bed and come back on at nine and do yeah. a couple of hours and stuff like that so that's for me that would be a successful decade if i continue to be able to find and and execute balance not too far either way yeah. um and you know i've enjoyed 10 years of my children 
10 more years of my children and been directly involved in their lives and and been sat in the chair when they're singing awfully at Christmas on stage at school <laughs> and have cheered them on from the sidelines on a Sunday morning when it's chucking it down that would be a great decade no makes sense I funnily enough I started my own business because I wanted that answer mm. that you just gave mm -hmm. oh and and I, I, I realize every day how fortunate I am to do it yeah Absolutely. I don't have to get up at six and get a train to London. I don't, I'm not home at half seven exhausted from, you know, I have a, a fantastic life. So if I can keep mm. that going for another 10 years, I'd be more than happy. No, it's great. I think it's my, my daughter, so I took my daughter to school yesterday and she's, she's in this weird thing where mummy, mummy's number one. Daddy's oh, that's number where two. as they get older, you become more important, but at the beginning it's all about mum. Yeah. And um, so she gets very, uh, I don't even know what the word would be. Territorial about who drives her to school and who doesn't. Same. My son's the same seven-year-old. And she was like, Daddy, you always take me. I was like, oh, well, you, you know, I've only been back to school a week. I've taken you three times or whatever. It's, it's obviously a lot easier. But in her little mind, it's like, you always take me. Or when I pick her up, she's like, why is mummy not picking me up? I was like, well, mummy's at work. Yeah. I should pick you up tomorrow. And... um and, and I was saying to her last night, we were trying to talk about it because I was trying to say to her, like, look, we have to take it in turns. We've both got jobs. We've both mm. got to, you know, do whatever. I said, I said, you know, when I was a kid, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times my dad picked me up from school. Completely agree. Throughout my whole education. And that, and that is no slight on my dad at all. In, in, you know, it's not. It's just the way it was, right? He was working and... yeah. Yeah, I mean, my he, was dad... always around, he was always around taking me to football. And, uh, yeah, don't take that in any way. It's a criticism, Dad, if you're listening. It's not, but <laughs> he never did, right? Just the expectations were different. And obviously yeah. the way life was structured was different. Like, my dad was in the Navy, so he would be away for six, nine months at a time. So I just wouldn't see him for that length of time. So that's helped shape how I want to be as a father. And that's when exactly same, the kids yeah. came along. I wanted to be directly involved in their lives to the point of almost annoying. <laughs> you know? Yeah, same. And I didn't want to miss anything because I know it's, again, it's, it feels like tropes. But when you're at the end of your life, whenever that may be, and you look back, you're not going to remember hustling and grinding and getting 10 tweets out today to build your personal brand. <laughs> you're going to remember the football games or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're going to remember all that stuff. And that's what I'm truly conscious of. I think a powerful visualization tool that I, I don't use it in a, in a strategic way, but it's always in my mind, is imagine that you're 80 years old um what would what would you reflect on your life and if you got a chance to go back and fix it what would you do differently and i think if you keep that in mind it helps keep you on a good path yeah I, yeah i agree it's it is and i like you i think there's there's days when i sort of have to drop my daughter off and then i pick her up and i'm like trying to get in that focus or that flow it's state hard. yeah it is really hard but then I think of the other days when, like, you know, I used to get into London for half eight or whatever, and I was getting on the train at half seven, and then getting home at half seven, you know, you start weighing it up, right? And I, and I, and I understand I'm totally privileged to be, of course. Um, to be mm -hmm. saying that, but... I, but you have a choice why... you, you have a choice though don't you because you could still structure your life to be super busy during the day and it's very easy to go look you know what i need to focus today i can't take you to school mm. someone else has to take it but you know i, I don't know i saw I, I just 
you just want to be involved in your kids' lives at the end of the day, don't you? And you want to yeah. just be there for them and you want them to know that you're there for them. So yeah. even though it is hugely disruptive sometimes, especially around school holidays, oh my God, summer holidays are a nightmare okay. for productivity. Yeah. But then you just accept it and you get on with it. And I, I get, I tend to get up if I can, get up early, get a couple of hours in the morning before they get up, do a couple of hours in the evening. You've got to get on with it, like integration again. Um, but at the end of the day, they will always know you were there. And when you're older, you would think, you know, what, I did a good job. You know, I was there for my kids. And I think that's ultimately the truth in life, isn't it? Yeah. Cut through all the bullshit and stuff that we tell ourselves. It's about personal relationships and how you invested that time. You know, I don't community. Many, yeah, exactly. I mean, how many how many millionaires and billionaires are on their fifth wife, deeply yeah. unhappy? You know, I heard I heard that on another podcast actually. You know, talking about oh, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be grow a unicorn and that and actually now i don't i look up exactly that like how many of them have got strange kids or don't want that divorces I, coming out yeah. their ears. i would rather live a comfortable life a smaller life not have a jet and a and a yacht uh, but yeah. but be present with my kids and, and enjoy what i've got i'd rather have less and enjoy it than have all that and just have a nightmare of a personal life yeah i'm, I'm the same i'm the same great answer it's getting deep but, Final question for you. For okay. anyone who's listening, for those three people who still <laughs> tuned in. One, my mum, yeah, whoever, whoever's mums yeah. are left listening. It's a bit of a long one. So excuse me while I read it. If you could go back to when you were 16, what sort of advice would you give yourself? Would it be practical or emotional? Would you forewarn yourself about your greatest challenges? Or would you tell yourself to look after your mental health and how? Wow, Okay. I mean, obviously, there's joke answers you could do, like invest in Apple. But I think um, let's assume you had a, a short time to communicate this, because if you if you could if you had like an infinite amount of time to communicate to your 16 year old self, you'd probably overwhelm yourself with information. But I would, would just let me ask you. Let me ask you a different question. Would you would you tell your 16 year old self anything, or would you just let the let what happened happened? It's tricky, isn't it? Because we all have periods of our life that have been difficult to live through you know unpleasant things have happened but by the same token those things do shape you as a person so i would yeah. probably say nothing because i'm quite happy well i'm very happy where i am um very fortunate to do something i love from home and yeah. all the kids stuff we talked about so i would probably risk changing the course of my own future and no i wouldn't say a word i'm quite happy where i am so it's funny you say that because i said someone asked me a very similar question on the podcast i was on last year and i said the same thing they're like what would you tell yourself and i was like, i wouldn't tell myself anything yeah and i wonder if that comes with age because the guy who asked me he was in his early 30s and he right. was he found it incredulous incredible that <laughs> i wouldn't like like you said go and buy bitcoin or apple or whatever it might yeah. be mm -hmm. and i said yeah but i am pretty happy mm. so let's say i'd have gone and bought bitcoin or apple then all of a sudden, that, that's a dramatic change. I've gone from being who I am now to being a multi-multi-millionaire. So you might not have the same partner. You might have the same kids. Yeah, you might be. I miserable. mean, that's not to say I might not be happy. Who no, knows? but I but think I, hmm. you don't know what challenges come with that, right? Exactly. I think that's the risk, isn't it? The risk of upsetting what you have. And um, you, I think you're bang on with the age. I think once you get into your forties, once you, there's a weird period of time in your forties where you start grieving what you don't have mm. or what you couldn't achieve and i think then you start being grateful for what you do have and what you have left 
if that makes sense. You know, when you're young, the world's at your feet, you've got all the time in the world, and then you get to your 40s, and if you're not where you want to be in life, it can be quite distressing. You know, why didn't I do this? Why don't I do that? But if, I guess, because I'm fortunate to, to be in a position where I'm actually very content and very happy where I am, it's very easy for me to say, no, I wouldn't say a thing. Yeah. If I was... No, no, well, that's exactly it. That's what I kind of... That, that was where I landed. I must be an age thing. I think age is... And I think you value emotional states over physical things so you you value being happy of course you're not happy all the time no one's happy all the time you'd be mental if you were mm. but you are content with where you are in life and that's just enough you don't need much more than that and i think that's yeah. more i think that has more value than just an infinite number you know i'm i'm far from rich but i'm i'm comfortable so you know i'm okay with that yeah. i don't have to worry too much about bills but neither can i go out and buy a mercedes in cash but that's yeah. okay I, i'm happy content i can sleep at night and that's worth more than any amount of money in the bank yeah no i agree I, yeah it's it's but it's an age thing you, you speak the thing, the thing is i mean you look at 16 year olds now and again it's going back down that you know two old codgers talking about <laughs> when i was a kid but when i was a kid you know i look at some uh, you know like your your son, I think you said is fourteen, right? Mm. I look at what he's the world he's going out to, and there's definite cons as well as the pros. It's mm. it's a different world to where we were sixteen. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm not even sure what advice I would could give myself. It's just it's weird that we both went for the the financial element as opposed to I don't know some girlfriend we wouldn't have wasted our time on or some friendship or but job or whatever that those things are super important when you're younger but when you get older you take a broader view of things mm. and i think those things are less important and i think especially for me i'm conscious that i'm nearer 50 than i am 40 so i'm entering very closely entering another chapter of my life you know and you just want to be in a position where you have enough and you're comfortable without it being stressful yeah you know i don't want to be in my 70s stressed you know you want to be more comfortable if i get it that far yeah <laughs> some days it's I'm not going sure. to the kids do you remember when i looked after you right it's payback time yeah exactly choose a good home <laughs> that's the that's the deal i was there watching your football matches freezing my unmentionables off for months yeah. pick a nice home please yeah no it's it is what it is okay so we both agreed we wouldn't we wouldn't change the course of history no, too much at risk for me, too much. And the reward would be, like you say, and it's a great book to explore, isn't it? I think um, Matthew Haig, is it his name? The Midnight Library. I think that explores that. Does it? Like mm. sliding doors? Yeah, that that yeah. you were given an opportunity to go back and change things. And she went for the success. She went for the she went for the man that she didn't have and it turned out he was an arsehole and their marriage was horrible. Yeah. Then she had another go and she wanted world fame as a, as a rock star, but then she had severe it's depression. It's a fiction it? book, is it? Fiction book, yeah, yeah. yeah. Midnight Library, great little book. And it explores okay. those themes that the life you have is probably the best one and the best choice that you could ever have out of all the options. Well, I mean, there's a, there's an argument, I guess, that goes every little thing you've done up to this point, you've learned, right, and adjusted yeah. that navigational arrow. Of to... course. And even, you know, such a cliche, but even like the, the worst times in your life are probably when you've grown the most, when you've, yeah. you know, you've adapted or become more resilient or whatever and you need you know life is challenged life is brutal when you look at it and i think you need that challenge to to develop resilience and things yeah i agree i agree and i think matt i think that's a great place to end it i want to thank you 
very much for coming on and sharing your time this morning. I mean, we're nearly at, well, nearly at two hours. I know. Do you know I, felt like, I felt like we could have probably chatted for another two hours and I wouldn't have even noticed it. So uh, I want to thank you for being a great guest, first and foremost. Where can, if anyone wants to come and say hello or come and attack you for not liking Jordan Peterson, where, where should I send them? I'll send them to Twitter, Matt Meacham. Okay. Early adopter, so I nailed down my username pretty quick. Uh, did you? And, and TikTok? Mm. I'm going to check out your TikTok. After no, that's embarrassing. I'll, I'll tell you privately. I just, yeah, it's, it's oh, is it a hidden one, is it? No, it's not hidden, but yeah, it's, it's a bit cringe. It's all about running, and uh, my son's friends have found it, and my son's mortified, but it's... Just... <laughs> All right, we'll talk about that off air. Okay, I will link to your Twitter handle in the show notes and everything else you've mentioned. There's lots of uh, lots of notes, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Cheers, Chris. You know what? This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed this. Really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It's good, you know. It's like you, you chat to people. Like I, a lot of my guests are people I've sort of interacted with on Twitter or seen, and you don't really know these people. Mm-hmm. like from you know the old tweet here and there and i that's kind of one of the things i love about this podcast so getting to know you and actually as a real person is is pretty yeah, cool so i've loved you. it i've loved the format the format's fantastic cool cheers matt thank you cheers chris that was tinq interview with matt meacham if you made it to the end thank you i hope you enjoyed it i'm glad you made it there's a lot of places where matt and i both thought you might drop off so appreciate staying feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at 10q interview everywhere that's all from me for now make sure you've subscribed wherever you listen to this and the next 10q interview episode will be live very very soon in your feed and if you want to go one step further a review or a star rating or whatever it is on the platform you listen to this on would make my day anyway take care